My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Guiding anglers to fish as a concept and teaching anglers both young and old either the fundamentals or skills honing as a fast tracking tool has progressively gained patronage over recent years. Once the preserve of countries like America, but since the advent of Go Anywhere Catch Anything opportunities opening up to increasingly more anglers, the thoughts of hiring a guide or paying for instruction now no longer seem as alien as it once did. But it isn't quite as simple nor as straightforward as that, for within both guiding and coaching there are a number of natural subdivisions. A guide, for example, could be used as a shortcut to learning a technique, exploring and appreciating unfamiliar marks, or taking, say, overseas visitors and putting them over fish. Here in the UK, a lot of the clientele using guides are well-paid people in high-pressure jobs with very little free time. People who don't have the same opportunities to find things out for themselves as the rest of us. Coaching, too, has its subdivisions. Engaging youngsters with a view to keeping them off the streets, teaching them discipline and other life skills, and as importantly, bringing new blood into outdoor pursuits from a generation more at home with an Xbox than a tackle box. Equally, teaching middle-aged men and women who have previously fished when they were younger, but are now in need of a top-up to catch up with the intervening changes is another area of growing demand. Whether or not there's sufficient demand to support full-time guiding and coaching, either now or in the future, is another matter. Only one way to find out. So with that in mind, I'm down on the banks of Partridge Lakes, a beautifully laid out commercial fishery nestled in 50 acres of prime Cheshire countryside, to ask this, and a range of other related questions, to course angling coach Carl McCormack. So is it for you then, a job, a hobby, a quest, or perhaps even all of those things? The coaching side, it's, well it's not a job. I'd love it to be a full-time job. But I think with the coaching, it's mainly about trying to give something back and trying to introduce and encourage people to stick at it. Because I think one of the things with fishing is people may have a go. They'll turn up, they'll have a couple of hours, maybe a couple of sessions on the bank, and if it don't work out, the gear will get put in the shed and forgotten about and move on to other things. But I think with the coaching side of it, the aim is to, to be able to provide something to guide people down the right track so they don't just give it up. They get an understanding for the tackle and the bait that's needed just to get out there and enjoy the day. Again, it's not about setting records and catching massive weights of fish. It's just about walking away from the bank thinking, I enjoyed that and I want to go again. It's a hobby more than a job. A lot of the people that you see coming into it that I feel need the help, the ones who, who come with possibly the out-of-date tackle, anglers who have fished in the past, they've given it up, through life commitments and then they've come back into it in maybe the, the mid-30s, 40s or even retirement age and with fishing changing a lot and progressing a hell of a lot they turn up, they fish the way they used to fish maybe 20, 30 years ago and it's not quite suitable for the venues that we fish these days they may sit there and they'll watch someone on the next peg catch fish after fish and they can sit there at the end of the day and think well, how come I can't catch fish? The aim of the coaching is to just try and introduce them into the way fishing is these days and the methods that are needed to catch fish. Is there a fixed range of tactics and species you prefer to work within? Or is the coaching aimed at encouraging people within a stillwater commercial environment? The coaching I tend to concentrate most on is 
mainly your modern commercial day ticket fishery. As I say, I've, I've grown up fishing natural venues from a young lad. So to take somebody on a natural venue is not a problem at all. But with modern commercial fisheries making up a massive percentage of people's fishing these days, I think that's where a lot of the help's needed. So, yeah, as I say, I, I cover right from the very beginning, from an introductory service where you can fish just a short whip with line to hand catching small species on simple, straightforward baits like maggots, right the way through to the more technical side of pole fishing of bait presentation bait preparation various methods on rod and line be it traditional waggler fishing for for silver fish species such as roach rudd skimmer bream through to the more modern waggler fishing styles of pellet waggler up in the water for the f1 carp mirrors and commons through to fishing with a feeder rod be it method feeders pellet feeders again primarily for these carp in commercial waters or back down to the old-fashioned cage feeder for bream, maggot feeders for silverfish. There's a big range of tactics that I try and cover, and again, the more technical side, away from just method and species-specific. We can go right back to just making rigs, tying hooks, shotting patterns, preparation of baits, when and where to use specific baits. As I say, just trying to cover pretty much everything that the anglers are going to need to try and get the most from the day. Obviously, to be able to offer that range of potential services, you need to have a depth and range of experience greater than Mr Average. But today, unfortunately, that isn't all you need. Qualifications and all the right security clearance in the form of CRB checks and the like must also form an important part of your CV. I was four years old when I first started going fishing. sat on the local park lakes in Liverpool with my dad. We're going back to the time before poles, so it was all rod and line fishing. If we were lucky, we'd catch a fish. At worst, we'd had a good day out. It was all local fishing in them days, primarily because my dad didn't drive, so we were limited to the venues that we could get to, but luckily we lived within a 15-minute walk of one of the local park lakes, Sefton Park it was, and we'd go there, whether it was an evening, during the summertime or a Saturday. There'd be more butties and drinks than fishing tackle and also a big bag of toys, I couldn't go anywhere without my action men and my ball. And I think looking back then, I probably did more playing and more eating than actual fishing, but that was the start of getting out, enjoying what the outdoors had to offer. As I got a little bit older, I started to probably sit down and not pester as much and catch a few more fish and look a little bit more into the fishing side of it. And Regarding first fish probably going to be roach or perch given the lakes that we were fishing more than anything I remember during the the early summer when there was a lot of fry about I'd spend more hours chasing fry up and down the bank with a landing net and a coffee jar full of tiny fish and that was my idea of fishing I think back in them days and there's there's pictures of me with big floppy hats and big landing nets running up and down the bank but as I say again as, as we've sort of moved on through the times got a bit older started riding a bike which then prompted us to start going on the trains taking our bikes on the trains and it's like a military operation in them days lashing rod tubes to the crossbars on bikes and having folded chairs in your rucksack with your butties and your bait and a couple of floats and we'd get the train up to Harford and we'd fish on either a, a local well like a club pond up there or on the River Dane which half would control then, or if we felt brave enough, we'd cycle to the Trenton Mersey from Harford Station, which was probably about 
a 30 minute bike ride from the train station and we'd fish little wagglers on the canals and catching everything from small ropes and goods into if you were lucky you'd get your rod hooped over with a bream of about a pound and then moving through started work in 1993 and that obviously brought money in took me to the age of 17 when I could start taking my driving lessons passed my test and then the world was our oyster then we were we were out and about started to travel mostly around around the northwest a lot of our fishing was done again traveling up towards north which way but this also 1993-94 coincided with the commercial fishery boom and we started venturing onto them and, and leaving the natural waters of the canals around Runcorn, rivers around north which we were starting to sample these man-made fisheries around Warrington and Brookside used to be a big haunt for us for a couple of years and used to get out every Saturday. Again, my first car was a Mini, and that was another military operation to get two lots of fishing equipment in a Mini. We had a roof rack for the old oars, the back seat to be taken out on a Friday night, and all the luggage and everything was crammed in. The tiny boot was only good for bait, but we'd get it in, we'd get there, and that was our fishing bus for a, a good 18 months, and that was where I, I was introduced into the commercial fisheries. Again, sampling more and more carp fishing, and with that, the weights, the sizes, the species started to increase. The catch rate was getting bigger and better. And you know, looking back on the days of if we were lucky to catch a dozen fish, we were now looking to catch a dozen fish in half an hour. You know, and it, it moved so fast. The learning curve was amazing to go from fishing with a pint of maggot that had last two of us a day to suddenly bombing through a pint of maggot in, in an hour or so or two hours and seeing how much fishing was changing and, and how we were having to keep up. This was the big learning curve for myself where you felt that sitting and watching better anglers than yourself, the lessons you'd learn from just sitting and watching and then after a match or after a session talking to them, what they could pass on to you was invaluable and it was probably from that that gave me the inspiration to look into coaching. As I say, we, we travelled about a bit more. I started on the match scene a little bit, started sampling some reasonable results and, again, mixing with the class of anglers I was mixing with. I, I remember sitting there for hours on Brookside watching anglers like Stu Conroy, the England international, and his brother Steve, and just sitting and not speaking. For three or four hours, I wouldn't speak. I'd sit there, and whether they knew I was there, but there was no talking, no conversation, just watching, and after the match, I'd just talk to them then and find out why they did it, what they did, and take any information I could get from them and try and adapt it into my style of fishing and I could see what lessons you could learn from watching you could see that if you could pass them lessons on to other people you know the benefits would be there and as I got older the coaching became a thought in the early days I then I got married we had my son Callum in 2001 Callum was born and Obviously fishing slowed down a little bit at that point. But once I had Callum, it then became my responsibility then to pass on angling to another generation. And it was at them points in life where, again, the coaching sort of came back into it. You know, the thought of teaching someone and, and being able to pass on. I've got a little bit more information than maybe the man before me, but I've not got as much information as the man in front of me. And it was about passing what I had, passing that on and, with having Callum, it sparked that interest in teaching someone. And again, I'd try and whisk him out the house on a Sunday morning and we'd sit at a local park, same way as I went through it. He'd have his toys, he'd have his butties. 
we'd maybe fish for an hour and then it'd be time to go home because he was getting too fidgety to eating all his butties and it was time to go and but he caught his first couple of fish and he started to get the bug and you could see in the look in his eyes and the the intrigue in his face of you know when the float would go under it was that look that you you get your pleasure out of when you pass that on to someone else and to get the first fish or you even get them to understand why they're missing bites that's the buzz that you get out of it so as I say, we, as Callum's got a bit older, I started to fish a little bit more myself again, get more into my own fishing a little bit, fish a few more matches. I've not done so bad. I, I might fish maybe a dozen, 15 matches a year on average, and I don't do so bad. I'm happy enough with it. Again, it's more about the crack with getting out with the fellas and having a bit of a laugh with the lads and just pitting yourself against the fellas that you're fishing with and if you beat a few it's it's part of the day if not you've had a day out and you've had a laugh and it's all just part of the fun as Callum got that bit older he started to come out more regular then which started to slow the match side of it down for me because obviously I, I was I was spending more time sitting with him on the box and encouraging him to fish which prompted me to look back at the education side of it you know and starting to look into the teaching at the time, again, you're probably going back six or seven years ago, there seemed to be a little bit more interest in angling coaching. It was a, a term that was starting to pop up more and more, but it was more used in the game style of fishing. You know, Salmon and trout has always been associated with guides and coaches that would go out, put them on fish and, and try and educate them into tackling up and catching a few fish. But in the course side, it's something that's been unheard of until the last say six or seven years looking into it more i found the paa professional anglers association they were offering coaching courses where you came out with a level two qualification after qualification to say you were able to to coach juniors and adults in your chosen field so i registered onto that went down to pershore in worcestershire and spent a few days there doing the first part of the qualifications and it was interesting because since I'd left school I've been a pipe fitter weld and I've worked with my hands and but then to suddenly find myself back in a classroom environment where you were getting scrutinised on your knowledge and your wording of things it was hard at times one of the biggest stumbling blocks I found was it's a lot of legislation it's not necessarily practical biased which is one of the strangest things I found. I, I thought going in to be an angling coach, it was all to do with the ability you had. I went there thinking, oh, I can fish a little bit. I can teach people how to fish. And as you found out to get the qualification, your actual angling ability was probably one of the last things that they were interested in. The biggest word that they like to use is the word coach, and it's about coaching people and what they try and get across. And it's about the guiding of people and the education of people not necessarily just in a fishing discipline but it's about giving these people life skills and trying to help them build their character and it was unusual it was, it was something that I wasn't expecting because like I said I was expecting to go there you know show people how to tackle up how to catch a few fish you know, you'd think that was it job done but it was about teaching them the discipline and the principle behind fishing as opposed to the actual fishing itself it was about getting them out on the bank, building their self-esteem, their self-confidence, introducing them to groups of people, encouraging them to communicate with others, to mix. And it wasn't what I expected it to be. 
I got the qualification with the Professional Anglers Association and then I went 18 months later and got requalified again with the Angling Trust who had set up not long after, well, just before I'd done my qualification, but what it was, the Angling Trust didn't recognise the Professional Anglers Association qualification, so I had to go back and resit with the Angling Trust to be legally recognised as an angling coach. So to be a, a recognised, qualified and licensed angling coach, you had to go through the Angling Trust, so I had to go and resit the, the qualification with them. But what the coaching seems to be more aimed towards is working with youngsters and possibly working with youngsters who need a little bit more attention. So one of the big things that they introduced through the angling coaching qualifications is your child protection is one of the big things that they really go for and they're promoting it because what they're trying to do is encourage a lot of new anglers into fishing, but what they're also using is fishing as a tool to try and encourage juniors to try and make better choices in life and try and keep them off the dodgy paths in life. By getting them out fishing, they're hoping to keep them off the streets causing trouble. But by doing that, they're making you aware that you can come across some quite vulnerable children. So by having your safeguarding and protecting children qualifications in place, your CRB checks have got to be there because some of the kids can be quite vulnerable. Whether that can be that an absolute handful to control on the bank or the children from like a quite a broken background where these kids, they don't communicate very much and you've got to be aware of the child's behaviour to try and make you aware of any kind of problems that there might be going on at home. And it was a strange thing to deal with because, like I say, it was a lot of legislation to be learnt and you were trying to get your head around a lot of the policies of child protection when really, in my head, it was just about getting out to teach people to fish. But as I say, you know, we got that sorted. And it is amazing that when you do come across some of these kids who are from broken homes or from quite volatile backgrounds where the kids are quite a handful or they've come there with some personal things going on at home, it's amazing how the fishing can bring them out of themselves. You know, you, you can get them talking. They forget about what is essentially going on back home. And I think that's what fishing gives all of us, really. It's sitting there and you forget about what is going on in your life because for that hour or five hours or ten hours, however long you're on the bank for, you've escaped. And I think being involved in the coaching side of it, it's nice to be able to, to allow some of these youngsters to escape. But going back to my own personal coaching now, more of my coaching work now is done with, I'd say more, the average is probably middle-aged adults from the ages, the average age is probably... 45 to 50 and be it men or women you tend to find that these people have been out on the bank when they were young they've given up they've got married they've had kids they've been working so fishing's took a massive back seat but then they've come back into the sport and they've been completely lost when they walked in the tackle shop so i find that more and more now my coaching services is getting used by adults who are bewildered when they walk in a tackle shop they come to a new style commercial fishery their methods and their tackle are out of date and they feel that they're just not getting it right so they tend to get in touch with myself and that's when days are planned where we spend the day on the bank and we go through all the tackle requirements and, and you know the bait requirements because everything's changed so much now but coaching the juniors is something that I'd like to do a hell of a lot more of like I said the coaching that I do the majority of it's paid work so that's why it tends to appeal as well more to the older generation who obviously can afford to pay for the services 
any free time that I do have to provide any of the, the free coaching and that, I tend to do a bit of work with Lim Juniors. I did that for a few years while my son Callum was coming up through and getting involved with Lim as a junior angling club. And then I help out with people on the bank. I'll sit and I'll talk to anyone on the bank. But it'd be nice to have the facilities and that set up where you're on one site permanently where people can come to you with any problems and you know you can help them out that way. Why specifically Partridge Lakes? Partridge Lakes is somewhere that I've been coming since about 1999, I think we first ventured up here. Again, once I was driving, as I say, we were sampling more and more places. We'd heard on a grapevine it was a cracking place to go, so with it being, what, 25 minutes away from my house, I thought, you know, no better place to, to journey to. And As I say, we've turned up here, and the scenery straight away, I mean, with my fishing probably being more pleasure-orientated from my younger days, scenery obviously played a big part loving fishing on rivers and things like that and, and seeing the wildlife and everything that was around you we were turning up and fishing some commercial fisheries that were quite new and barren and you know they were quite bare looking and the land looked scarred more than anything but turning up to party it was a completely different aspect we turned up to a, a manicured matured fishery which it was as if you were sat on a natural venue but it was managed and it made a big difference it made you know obviously the fishing was good but you were in cracking surroundings as well and it helped a little bit that there was a butty van on site and there was toilets and you know it just made fishing a little bit more comfortable as the years have progressed i did more of my match fishing at party so i got to know the lakes got to know a lot of the regulars got on really well with the owner the bailiffs all the staff that work at the fishery so it's a place that i've become quite intimate with you know i, I know the venue really well i know the magic well i know all the lakes pretty well certain lakes i know better than others but also the facilities that were on site at the time, they were really appealing. Now, as time's gone on and I started going down the coaching road and looking into the qualifications, Partridge was expanding. He'd got better facilities on site. He'd got a static butty van and cafe on site. He'd got the toilets there. He's got a big cabin where you can, you can shelter from the elements if things go wrong. So the facilities were there straight away. So if you were going to do any kind of coaching or educating of people, the groundwork was in place, the facilities were there, the lakes are quite central to anyone in the northwest, and also the fishing's good, so it was a great place to take people. So are you tied into the fishery in any way, or is it more of a loose mutual arrangement? There's no tying in into the fishery. As I say, the owner Dave, he's been really supportive for me. He's helped me out every way he possibly can. He gives me pretty much the free run of the lakes obviously match permitting if he's got matches on lakes it's different but I can give him a phone call tell him I'm coming up to do a coaching session he gives me the run of the fishery we can have a day on on the syndicate lake now and again depending on what species they're after and from a point of view like that he supports me all the way he helps me out a hell of a lot and he does a fair bit of promotion of my service as well through conversation on the bank and advertising at the fishery but as far as Partridge being the only place that a coach at. No, I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy to travel. Obviously, there's going to be distance restrictions, but at the end of the day, you know, if people want me to travel greater distances, you know, something can be arranged to, to cover additional fuel costs or something like that. But no, I mean, anywhere within the northwest, I'm more than happy to go and try and help people out on their local venue. It can be a little bit more awkward to do things like that because my sessions are aimed more towards your club match anglers and your your newer anglers 
I like to try and get the sessions at parties because the facilities cover it and obviously it makes it more of an enjoyable day if we can all catch a few fish. You know, the, the facilities are there. I have had it in the past where I've gone to a couple of club waters where, unbeknown to myself, the fishing's been rock hard. I've had a day with people where they've had a specific method in mind they've picked and the method that they want to fish doesn't particularly suit that water. So the session itself although it may be productive in that they've learned to do something new, they've not actually seen it working to a greater effect where they've been catching fish on it. And it's like anything, you know, if you want to learn something new, you'd like to see the rewards, not necessarily there and then, but if you can see some rewards for the effort you're putting in, it makes it a little bit better and you also feel like you are actually learning. But to go to a venue where the water's gin clear and there's a low fish stocking in it and the fishing can be really hard, and then to go on there and tackle it like it is a commercial, it just doesn't work. They may have the basics and the theory in their head now, but because it didn't actually work on the day, they may walk away and think, well, that was a waste of money. That I didn't really get much from it. So that's one of the reasons why I do like to aim my sessions towards parties as a venue. But like I say, you know, at the end of the day, if people have a specific method in mind for a certain venue, we can have a chat, we can arrange it. I have to do my own work then, get my head into the venue they're talking about, and then go down and help them out. Now, I am prepared to travel, but like I say, I just think the facilities that are here, that partage, you're driving past a better venue to go to other places. And also the way the fisheries matured over the last 10 years, there isn't many methods now that can't be covered at these lakes. So whatever you learn at these lakes, you can, I'd say, 80% of the time you can take them to your own venue and adapt them to suit your style of fishing then. So I've chosen Partage for its location, its facilities, and as I say, the support that I get off the owner is, is, is first class. It is, it's been a nice place to settle on. At the end of the day, without commercial fisheries, I think fishing in general, you would have your diehards that go fishing. I think you'd be struggling to introduce new anglers into the sport on natural venues, largely because, again, we go back to the way society's changed. The days of going out on your bike as a youngster and riding to your local venue and sitting there for the day unfortunately in certain places are long gone with the way the world's changed they're not necessarily the safest places to sit anymore whereas a commercial fishing environment can offer that safety there's always people about you've got your bailiffs and also the majority of the lakes are all within view of fishery staff other anglers so you know you've got the security side of it you've got the convenience side of it and then you've got the stocking levels, which obviously at the end of the day, primarily we go fishing to catch a few fish. So if you go into a venue with a decent stocking of fish, your chances are greatly increased to catching. So you're going to enjoy your day a bit more. So I think commercial fisheries have saved fishing in a big way, but I don't particularly think they've done any favours for the attitude of new anglers coming into the sport because it plays into this instant fix category again, because you'll turn up on a commercial if you've got reasonable tackle and you've been pointed in the right direction, you'll catch a few fish. And if you're really lucky, you might catch a big fish on your first day. And if all you're interested in is catching big fish, you've not got many places to go after that. In your first session, you know, all your dreams have been fulfilled and it's where do you go next. Now, like I said, I refer back to something I said earlier about when I was younger, we'd go and we'd, if we could make that magic dozen, if we could make 12 fish in a day, we'd had a cracking day. Now, on some of the coaching sessions I have with some of the juniors that we bring up, they can have 12 fish in 12 minutes. They can have 12 fish in the first hour. And what's your next step? You know, how do you keep that level of what's the next goal? What do they achieve next? So like I say, 
commercial fisheries, as much as they've worked wonders for the sport, they may also go against you because you can achieve so many things so quickly on commercials. Now, if I was to ask you to pick out your most outstanding success, particularly on the coaching scene, I suspect it will be with your own 12-year-old son, Callum, who, as we now know, is living proof that good coaching and attitude can definitely lead to great things. Once we found out my wife was pregnant, obviously, as a dad, not being into football, my dream was for a boy so I could take him fishing and get him into it. If it had been a girl, if we'd, if we'd have had a daughter first, the poor thing would have had no choice, she'd have still been on the bank no matter what. When we had Callum, it was great. It gave me the whole expectancy and, and the buzz of knowing that I'd be able to get him involved in fishing and hopefully keep him interested in it, give him a sport for life and, you know, see where it took him and hopefully he'll go on and, and enjoy it and do better things than I ever did with the fishing. So, yeah, as I say, once we had Callum, it was great. Took him out from the early age of, as I said, I think he was about three, four when I first took him out. And then he started coming out. He's come out every week with me. Winter time, he's, he, he'd stopped coming, but last winter was a good year. He, he came all the way through the winter. He's picked it up quite well. He's got a good attitude towards fishing. Nothing seems to phase him. He doesn't seem to get a cob on with anything. Sometimes I'd love him to speed up a little bit, but he's got this brilliant mentality that at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It may change as he gets more and more into it, but as I say, for now, it's great. Years 12, and life's all about enjoying it at that age, and that's what he's doing. He started coming with us, always showed an interest in fishing matches, which was unusual because, as I say, when I was taking Carl about it, it's only until recent years that I've gone off and fished matches while he's been sat with my dad or he's been sat on the bank on his own peg. So he's always had this interest in fishing matches. And with there not being much of a junior scene about, the first thing we did was get involved with Lim Anglers because they were running a junior club at the time. So as I say, we got Callum enrolled with Lim. Just going out to their practice days. Their, every fortnight they met on one of their waters and they just had... It was a combination of teaching sessions and there was a keep net in it. And at the end of the day, we weighed the fish and it was more about teaching them about fishing and the group of them that turned up every fortnight and the, the fishing was getting better and better and Callum was enjoying his fishing. He was lucky because he was coming out with myself and me, and my dad, but there were some kids there that were only getting out once a fortnight with the Lim Club. So Callum seemed to, he seemed to do well and you know he, he seemed to take it up a little bit faster than others, which prompted him to end up fishing with Lim Juniors as a match team. But as I say, it, again, it was his ability, he, he retains a lot of information and that's so you can tell him things and, and he's, he understands what you're telling him and he puts it into practice, which it's got him performing quite well in the Lim matches. He, he was winning quite a few of the junior events. Then Lim entered one of the Cheshire Leagues, I think it was the oh, it was the Merseyside County Angling Group, where they were up against, I think there was six or seven clubs from the Merseyside area. I think Callum ended up winning, he's won his section in the two events that they fished as a team match, so he's gone there and he's, he's won his section. It's as much as you can ask for for anyone that's fishing a team event. Win your section, that's the best you can do for your team. So as I say, he seemed to perform quite well and he coped quite well with the matches. And then as time's gone on, he's, like I say, he's got that bit better. I had a conversation with one of the parents at Christmas and the Matrix team side, junior team, had mentioned that there was a place for Callum if he was interested. So that was like a progression then from Lim Juniors. He was then progressing up to what you could call 
one of the top teams in, in the northwest for juniors right it's, it's a junior team with sponsorship by matrix the tackle company and bait tech as well he had the opportunity to fish for a pretty high profile junior team he was made up you know that was a no-brainer for him he was well happy for it i was a little bit reserved as to whether he was he was ready to to take on that kind of fishing because as much as it's still about enjoying it at the cadet level which callum is it also does carry a little bit of responsibility because you're now fishing with a team who are with having a sponsorship obviously they've got to be seen to be performing and you know they've got to keep up the good results and one thing or another he seems to have taken to it really well i'm really proud of the way he's, he's got on with it he's fished the junior national this year the angling trust junior national so there was teams in the cadet age group which callum was in there was five or six teams fishing in that in the junior age group there were seven teams from all over the country fishing in that they've gone down to Makin's fishery down at Nuneaton a fishery that we went down a week before and practiced and you know other than that we'd never seen before and he seemed to to understand what he had to do and what the team plan was all about he's gone down there and one of his biggest lessons is like I mentioned before is it's his speed and his, his self-discipline you know he, if things aren't working for him his mind can wander and he can lose concentration a bit but Luckily, or I say luckily, in this match, everything seemed to come together. You know, whether it was the the self-pride of knowing who he was fishing for or one thing or another, but it all seemed to come together. And he's kept his head down for the three and a half hours that they've fished and he's managed to bring himself from coming dead last in the section to pulling out third in the section because of he's just kept going and he's caught a late run of fish in the last 40 minutes. And the unfortunate thing for Callum was he's ended up weighing, I think, four kilos dead. Now, second place in his section, weighed four kilos and 40 grams, so he was he was 40 grams, he was just over an ounce behind second place, and the rate he was catching fish, had the match he ran for another 10 minutes, he'd have ended up winning his section, and it was just one of the things, but one of the biggest lessons he took from that, and where I got a lot of satisfaction from, was seeing that he finally realised that for three and a half hours he didn't give up, you know, he kept his head down, he stuck to the team plan, certain areas of the team plan weren't working for him one bit, but he kept trying them, he kept trying, kept trying. And then he's gone down his margins, which was always the plan, to keep feeding down the edge. He's gone down, he's had a look, he's lost one. Like I said, his temperament's brilliant. He didn't get frustrated, didn't get a cob on. He's come back in, fed it, left it for five minutes, gone back down, and he's just had a run of fish then for the last 40 minutes, which have catapulted him right up in his section. And a little bit more luck on his side, you know, and a few more minutes, a few less lost fish, you know, and he'd have won his section, but he learnt such a big lesson from that match and I think it's one that's going to stick with him and that's where I get a lot of satisfaction from. I can sit and I can be a bee in his ear telling him what to do, how to do it, but it's when you step back and you leave them to do it themselves and you see them learning, learning lessons that you've told them. Anyone can give you advice. It's only when you decide to act on that advice yourself it suddenly makes sense. You know, when you do it yourself and you make it work, that's when it makes sense. So stepping back and watching Callum put lessons he's learned down the years, some lessons I didn't think he'd ever put into practice he's done it and it was great whether he's he's just one of these crafty little gets that he saved all these lessons just for the performance on the big day and he just likes winding me up I don't know but it worked and that was all I could ask for it would have been lovely for him to have won his section but he's come from dead last in his section he's put this run of fish together late which knowing the way my son is and his, his attention span he could have quite happily just give up and, and stop concentrating but he didn't but as I say the three points he managed to get from that contributed to the cadet team that he fishes for ending up winning the national in their age group which was you know obviously it's a brilliant result for any age group to go out and, and fish a, a national competition and win but for a, a group of youngsters up to the age of 14 
and it was the first time he'd really been out and fished a serious match with the, with this team to go out and feel that the lessons that he's learned and the effort that he put in contributed to a win. It was absolutely brilliant. Here he is. Let's hear it from the man himself. Give us a quick rundown on the tactics, game plan and the victory. The tactics on the day were to fish shallow on five sections and fish as far as you can to the island on pellet and a margin swim. The competition went okay. It was slow at the like very slow at the start until when I went down the margin the last fifty to forty minutes. And that was where I had the rest of my fish. I only had about two fish across on the in pellet feeder and I got snapped once as well. So it went kinda of bad at the beginning for me, but for the rest of the team it went really well. It's like a new feeling really because I've never really been in a winning team. It like sort of inspired me to do better and to stay on my box now, really. Within that cadet squad there's a couple of like incredibly talented young anglers there and to watch them all come together and every one of them's done their bit and whether or not I felt Callum was ready for it, he's turned up, done the best he could on the peg he could and as I say he's managed to turn his match around which has contributed to the overall national win for the cadets. Just to see them all together, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. It's the first team thing he's ever been involved in where he's, he's experienced the win and I would like to think it's not going to be the last. I fish matches myself and I've had some reasonable success down the years and I've won quite a few matches, never any big profile matches but I've won quite a few matches and that but when you do your own winning it's one thing but when you step back and you watch someone else doing winning through something that you may have helped them with you see the satisfaction and the pleasure on their face and that's what you get your kick from, you know it is, it's brilliant. Obviously a proud moment and an endorsement too of your coaching approach. But let's go beyond the coaching now and talk a little bit about Carl McCormack, the angler. When you're not helping others, what do you like to help yourself to? Anything involving water, fish and a rod. I don't follow many other sports, so fishing is the be-all and end-all for me. And Whether it's a competitive buzz or it's just purely sitting by water at the end of the day to forget all the grief and the headaches that are going on with day-to-day life, you know, as long as I'm out, I'm happy specific fish and sizes I don't really have one you know I I find I probably get my biggest thrill out of going back to the basics of traditional fishing if I had to pick a scene and one place that really does it for me every every time and I try and make a point of going there every year it's trying to get on a, a proper natural canal pick autumn I love autumn I love the, I love the smells of autumn the sounds the sights you know the mist the colours of the leaves and especially if you can get like a proper little long narrow boat chugging up the canal with the smoke pluming out of it oh it gets me going the smell of that log burner it's, it's just one of them things that takes me back to being a child fishing on the places and the scenery and the, the romance of, of what a canal has to offer you know and I don't half get a buzz out of that you know you're back to your traditional silverfish you know your roach if you're lucky you might catch one skimmer that's your bonus but now catching roach and perch on a canal whether it's on bread punch or squat and pinky just busy, active fishing, you know, I, I just enjoy that. So, obviously, as the seasons change, my styles of fishing change with the seasons. You know, I'm not one to sit there and, and make do and, and be complacent with chucking like a, a bomb and 
or a method feeder out in the winter and waiting for one bite i have to try and be catching fish so once we get into sort of autumn and winter i enjoy fishing for my small fish and once we hit the summer time and the warmer months yeah i'm quite happy to fish for carp on commercials and on whatever methods work you know whatever method i deem to work best on the day you know that's what i get my kicks out of and what about the future oh the future the dream would be to make the coaching my primary source of income because like i said the pleasure that you do get out of coaching adults juniors male female people with disabilities absolutely anybody is able to come down and receive a little bit of coaching and catch a few fish that's the dream you know to be able to make a living off doing that it'd be spot on realistically i think i'm going to carry on fitting pipes and i'm going to carry on fishing every saturday that i can get out i'm hopefully going to see my son progress in the match side that i never did or was never able to and most importantly just keep enjoying my fishing you know it's one of them sports that i think once you've been bitten you're there you are out on the bank no matter what rain shine snow hail we're out there and as long as i can keep on doing that i'll be happy and at the end of the day i've got a big pair of boots to fill in my dad 70 odd years of age he's getting three trains just to have a day's fishing he's the inspiration to keep going if ever you lie in bed and you think oh i can't be bothered today you listen to that wind and rain outside like i say it's my dad if he can still get up and do it there's something seriously wrong if i can't so yeah if i can come anywhere near matching what he does i've got it right i've got it sussed training a junior national winner should certainly help boost the coaching cv a name perhaps we should be looking out for in the future. For now at least, it's a big thank you to both Carl and to Callum on the windswept banks of Cheshire's partridge fishery.